Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. I'm also joined by, what is your name? <laughs> by Harvey. Okay. Uh, and, and he's from Nashville. The name of this meeting is uh, Step 8, Forgiveness. Please take a moment to silence all electronic devices. If you need to use yours during this meeting, please take it out in the hallway. Please join me in a moment of silence by, followed by the serenity prayer. Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the spirit of carrying the essay message, this meeting is being broadcasted live, and this meeting is also being recorded. If you are not sure your share will be appropriate or on topic, please participate by listening. The broadcast and recording equipment will not be turned off for any reason. If you wish to share, please speak directly into the microphone so your listener can follow you. If you wish not to be recorded, we invite you to participate by listening or attending another session. Please do not touch any of the recording equipment. Can everybody hear me okay? Okay, if you, if I start uh, not speaking directly into the mic, please let us know. Harvey and I are each going to t uh, share for about eight minutes, do the best we can to stick to that. Then we're going to open up the floor for your questions and such. Okay. <clears throat> We all know about step eight, we all know about step nine, or at least we should, but if in a careful reading of the literature, there's a, a comment in the white book about step eight and a half. Step eight and a half is all about forgiveness. Somewhere between the making the list and making the amends, there is an unwritten requirement that we forgive. The reason I'm sitting up here today is when the list was sent for volunteering to lead, I saw the opportunity to talk about forgiveness. This is where I need to be in the growth of my personal program. I'm a hard-hearted son of a bitch. Isn't that a strange thing to say about oneself? I'm getting better, I'm softening, I'm growing, but... There's a reading in one of the collections of stories that talks about one being having a disconnected, negative temperament. That's me. And the way it expresses itself started all the way back when I was a little kid and I disconnected from whatever for whatever reason. But what I did is I shook my fist at authority 
And I learned very quickly that I could either say in my mind, if it wasn't safe to say it aloud, you're dead. You no longer exist. Even if my face was absolutely, I looked you in the eye and I smiled, that would go on in my heart. Can you imagine that as a little kid learning how to do such a thing? As I got older and braver, and maybe I could defend myself, all of a sudden I'd hear I'd come out of my mouth in certain situations, go to hell. Go to hell, what a statement, go to hell. But in the same sense, I was disconnecting, I was becoming negative. It was an attitudinal, a core kind of thing that was happening with me. Go to page 45 of the White Book and read about the spiritual basis of addiction. You'll see my story unfold step by step by step with that being the beginning point. This is from the book. The act of forgiveness is many times a daunting task. It certainly has been for me. I know at the core of my being is a diseased attitude of disconnection. In a... uh, I need to learn to forgive in order to live, and I have made progress. So I came here today knowing full well that Harvey gives one of the most inspirational talks about forgiveness, and we're going to give him that opportunity. So I thought to myself, what should I bring? I'm going to bring two suggestions that you can use to get ready to forgive. So here's the first one. When I lead my sponsees through their preparation, their eighth step, there's nothing, there's nothing new about this information, but I'm going to use it here to set the stage. I asked them to take all the people from their four-step list, and I asked them to put them into four buckets. The first bucket is the bucket of names. If I, I, there, These people are immediately available to me. I'm completely ready to move ahead and make my amends, of course, with the help of a sponsor. Bucket number two is people that I'm completely ready to move ahead and make amends to, but they're not immediately available to me. Maybe they live on the West Coast for whatever reason. But when I do see them, I'll be ready. I'll deliver the amends. I'll go straight to the fourth bucket. The fourth bucket is the one I lived with for a long time. I still have a couple names in there. This is the bucket that goes like this. There is no way in hell I will ever make amends to those people. They can rot in hell. Okay, see the connection? So what is bucket number three? Bucket number three is, well, you know what? Yeah, I can't really, really get my head around making amends to these people, but maybe I will. So four buckets, one, two, three, and four. In that process, what I'm doing is inviting my sponsee to begin considering, where am I with forgiveness? I don't even really bring up the, uh, directly the idea of forgiveness at that time. Of course, I want him to get started. Where do I take it from there? The next way that I approach it is in the way that I help them develop their amends. I do it as a letter. I'm not advocating doing amends through the delivery of a letter. That's possible and sometimes the right thing to do. I'm talking about using a, the development of a letter as a means to get ready to forgive. So I give them a formula for that letter. I tell them that it must have these six parts. It has to have a statement 
of the wrongs committed against the person. I'm not talking about I'm sorry, a clear statement about the wrongs committed. Number two, it has to have a statement of the harms that you believe that those wrongs have caused. You need to connect the dots. It needs to be there on the paper. Third, an identification of the character defects that led one to commit the wrong. We need to understand what is driving us to do the things that we have done. Four, a statement of restitution. A statement of restitution, it's a specific action to right the wrong. It could be the repayment of money taken. It could be, well, any number of things. But it's an act, an act that we take, an action that we take to try to right the wrong. Number five in, in the amends letter is an invitation to the recipient to possibly one day forgive me, forgive you for your past actions. We ask, I tell my sponsees, ask. You may not get it, but you go ahead and ask. And finally, the sixth thing that I ask them to have in that letter is a request to the person receiving the amends for any feedback that they may have. Do they have anything that they wish to say? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. It's a good, really good time to just listen. So how do I use this letter to help them get ready for to forgive? We exchange it back and forth. I have several different uh, sponsees right now in the four-step process. It's a kind of a lot to keep track of. This helps me keep track of it. They're working on one or two amend letters. They write the letter. They send it to me by whatever means in that. I look at the letter. I look for the components that I talked about, and we discuss it. But as we discuss it, what I help them understand is this letter must end up being clean. And that's where I want to finish my presentation. What do I mean by being clean? There are no buts in the letter. You know the good old buts? You know, I've got this dishonesty and, and I lied to you, but you happen to be in, well, you know how that sentence probably ends. We get all of the butts out of it, but here's where I want to connect my last two uh, dots. If I can make that, help them make that uh, clean, to get it clean, what do they have to do? They have to consider forgiving. They have to start thinking about what is my part in this? What can I let go on their side? And with that, I pass. I'm Harvey Asher, a sexaholic. You're seeing a living miracle that I could still talk. And I only have one more talk to give. And somehow I've been able to do five talks without a voice. Unbelievable or something. I've lost track. Okay. Dennis, I hate to disappoint you. I'm not going to give one of those inspirational <laughs> forgiveness stories. Many of you have heard it. By the way, I can't tell you how exciting this program is. Yes, I never prepare. So, 
I never know what's coming out. Sometimes I'll get a little theme. But so let's see where this goes. This I'm going to change this around. Why do we do the eighth step and the ninth step? We do it not for the other person. We do it to clean out our side of the street. Some people will never forgive us. Some people would have to be crazy to forgive us. <laughs> but we clean up our side of the street. But I want to give a different view of the forgiveness. How the hell do we forgive ourselves? That's the piece. If I cannot forgive myself, how will I ever really be able to forgive others? If I don't learn to love myself, how do I ever learn to love others? You know, when you think about it, the program's about joy, being comfortable, being joyous. By we don't act out, we get a glimpse of joy. We're getting a glimpse of God. The joy, the well. How can we not love what's inside us? That's my higher power is in me. Not only around me or above me, but in me. So how do I desecrate my higher power by not loving my insides? So how do you go about loving yourself in recovery? Okay. First, you got to let go of that crazy thought that you're bad getting good. No, we're sick getting well. What is the... Hebrew trans, what does the word sin mean? It's an ancient word. It's an archer's term. It means missing the mark. It means I'm not crap. I've done a crappy thing. I've missed the mark. And why? Yes, I have a genetically screwed up brain. I was born this way. I was doing and thinking sex before I knew what it was. Most of us in this room were into all kinds of stuff way before we acted out. So for me, to first learn to forgive myself 
is, is for me to believe in the disease model. It's interesting in the AA book, before Bill's story, hey, Bill, in one of his talks, spoke so much about him being an egoist. He needed to be the best in everything. Yet, his story did not come first. The doctor's opinion comes first in the big book. And to maneuver that process, they called the second chapter, chapter one. And the first chapter they called doctor's opinion and used Roman numerals. So chapter one has Arabic numerals, but the doctor's opinion has Roman numerals. Now remember, check me out, because I make stories. Double check everything I say. Why is the doctor's opinion first? To let us know willpower will not work. Have you ever tried using willpower to stop diarrhea? <laughs> if you get a road sign and you're, you've eaten bad food and you get in a car and you're going down the highway... And it says one mile to the next rest stop, you could hold off. But if it says 50 miles, no way. Willpower will not work. So unless we understand the concept of sexual addiction, that it is a disease, a physical allergy to lust accompanied by a mental obsession. It's going to be tough. How can we forgive ourselves if, oh, you, you got the willpower to stop? No. And in the latest scientific studies, they're even saying that the judgment center part of the brain gets affected by these chemicals, by our dopamine, <laughs> dopamine receptor sites. We got a dopamine receptor site screw up. And the 12 and 12 says, what man, actually woman too, what man wants to ever admit He's different than others. I'm different than others. All of you could tell other than my being short. Something's a little different with that guy. Okay? So here we have the first step to help us learn to forgive ourselves. If we cannot ultimately forgive our character defects, which we're also powerless over, we're going to have difficulty letting God remove them. If we're so in shame, and this came up time and again all day today in this room, about 
you know, stop being lost and I want to stop, but I can't. Do you know why people say they want to stop lusting? Because they think that's what God wants them to do. So they say what they think God wants them to say. Instead of telling God their truth. God, I don't want to stop lusting yet. How can he help us with something we're not willing to say here? I'm not ready to stop lusting. The importance of this program is truth. The truth will set us free. So the message I want to give is first about forgiving yourself. Forgiving others is a process. As we love God and the God within, we're then able, as was beautifully said in the last time, to love the God within someone else. And so, how could I forgive my mother who took a big bread knife and stabbed me when I was a teenager? How do you do that? It's a process. First of all, it took me years in recovery to be able to tell the story truthfully. I used to say I was such a bad teenager that I it frustrated her so badly she needed to hit me with something. So she took the closest thing and hit me with this big bread knife and I picked my arms up and by accident I got cut. No, until I was able to say The truth, my mother stabbed me. It was gone. The forgiveness was there. Do you know how sick someone must be to stab their son? Years later, I found out she used to do things like that with her sister, throw knives at people. My mother had her share of problems. May she rest in peace. <laughs> By the way, you hear the whole story on many of my tapes. <laughs> okay. What's next? Can I switch seats? Yes. <clears throat> Thanks for putting up the Yes, it is. Yeah. Great, thank you. Here are the guidelines for sharing at this meeting. If you would like to share, please come ahead of your turn and make a line by sitting in the assigned chairs up front. I think we're going to change that and we'll just respond to your raised hand. Um, when it, we avoid 
explicit sexual descriptions, and sexually abusive language. The emphasis is on honesty, recovery, and healing, how to apply the 12 steps and the 12 traditions in our daily lives. No crosstalk, please. If someone feels another is getting inappropriately explicit or is focusing excessively on the problem rather than the solution, they may so signify by quietly raising their hand. Although this is an anonymous meeting, please remember that anonymity does not mean legal confidentiality. The state of New Jersey has specific regulations that mandate specific behaviors to be reported. Please be mindful of what you share, not to break your own or another member's anonymity. Why don't we take a group conscience? Questions? Share. 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 I had a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> it's not true. It's not true. It's funny. It's not true. I'm Mark. I'm a sexaholic. Don't worry. Um, I had a story to tell um, about forgiveness. Um, uh, part, some of my character defects are judgmentalism, dishonesty, and um, manipulation, manipulative behaviors. And um, a series of events happened, and my, I, I, for reasons I'd, I'd rather not discuss, I had to change sponsors. I had a really nice sponsor. He was really nice to me, and he encouraged me, and I had to get a, a bastard. I had to get one of those mean sponsors. Mean, mean. Oh no. Anyway, and and we had a conversation about this, and and it, and it, a series of events happened around a group of people that I, I'm going to keep keep their anonymity as well. A group of people, and Harvey pointed out to me, "Oh wow, there goes his anonymity." Um, Har- my sponsor said. You seem to have a lot of hatred and anger towards this group of people. I'm going to recommend that you do an inventory on this group of people and your anger and hatred towards them. I said, okay, I can do that. Done a whole bunch of those inventories. I'll just get right on it. I had 12 names in five minutes, and I hadn't even got through the 80s yet. Some of them... Some of them were family members, some of them were professors, some of them were teachers, some of them were relatives. But there was a couple of through lines that happened all the way through the thing. One of them was, you know, when you do the column, you do the name, what they did, and what you think that, that they're part, you know, what it, what it does for you, what's their deal. The common theme was, and this might sound familiar, manipulative, dishonesty, and judgmental. And I'm not even got, I'm not even yet to the fourth column. Now, now the point is, the point is that this talk is about forgiveness. I think I'll close with this. I believe that part of this step 
the process, just the process of the inventory brings a lot of the forgiveness. Yes, we've got to make those decisions. And yes, we've got to do that. But the process helps that. Thank you for letting me share that. Hi, my name is Yoli. I'm a great recovered sexaholic. Thank you, Dennis, and thank you, Harvey. And I hope I'll be able to get this in within two minutes. But I was at one of the workshops that Harvey gave in Lakewood of forgiveness with a candle and the whole thing. And, whew, and I was actually drunk at that time. But I remember one thing. My sponsor used to always tell me, I need to get drunk in recovery just the way I get drunk and lust. So I just kept going to every workshop I can. And I remember Harvey called me up on stage and told me I should tell that I forgive this. That he told me I should say a person that I forg- a person that hate, that I'm angry at. So I told that person that I'm angry, but I did not say I forgive him. And I walked down the stage and you called me back and you told me, just say you forgive him. And I'm like, okay, I forgive him. And I just ran over the stage. The point of the story is, thank God I got sober. I started working my fourth step, and I've learned what a fourth step is and to start looking in within myself where my part was. And I worked on that, on that for a while. At the same time, I went to a gathering, a gathering, and I met the guy. There was a guy over there that abused me physically and emotionally. And that guy, all the time, they used to come to my synagogue. I constantly used to have fantasy how I want to kill his kids and cut his finger off and cut his, cut his penis off. Those are the thoughts I constantly used to have. And I used to hate him. I used to make sure he can't get near me or near my kids or whatever. And I see him over there and in my heart starting to pounding and the drillingism, everything starts going crazy within me. And I took a deep breath and started praying to God. I'm like, God, this pain has been going around with me for my whole life. How the hell can I get rid of that? I just took another deep breath and I went over to him and I tapped him in the back and I told him, I called him on the side and I just told him, I want to tell you how I feel, what you did to me. And I told him, you abused me physically, emotionally, and I can't move past on my life. I can't move on in my life because of what you did to me. And it was a certain, certain relief came to me. In the same time, he was asking me, "Can you forgive me? Can you forgive me? Can you forgive me?" And I kept on telling him, "No, I can't forgive you. I'm just not ready. I'm not ready to forgive you." And I walked out of the building. <laughs> and I looked, as I go out of the building, down the block, his son comes over to me. And I'm like, hi, how you doing? I'm like, okay, hi, how are you? And I, and I just quickly turned around and I said bye to him. And that voice, Harvey's voice came down into my head. Just tell him you forgive him. I went back to the son. To the son and I told his son, just go tell your father in my name that I forgive him. And I never since then had any anger on him. That was a certain belief. And now every time the guy, the guy must be a very poor guy. And every time he comes to synagogue, I constantly throw money on him. And I hug him and I love him and I care about him because through him I was able 
to let go of anger that I never believed I was able to let go. And the most important point, I heard this when I was drunk. So keep going to meetings and don't give up. Hey everyone, Greg, sexaholic. Thank you for all those shares and for leading. Um, I know this is a topic I need to, this is a, a topic I needed to hear, uh, and I needed to hear those shares. And I just came from the last meeting on loneliness, and I feel like these two go hand in hand. Um, you know, and I have a hard time forgiving others and forgiving myself, especially over the last four years. Um, and I've shared this at other meetings before just graduating seminary. Um, I'm graduating with so much bitterness and hatred in my heart because of my experience there, you know, hating everyone that I went there with, hating my professors, hating my experience. And I am recognizing, you know, I've spent a lot of time in my life. If I didn't like someone and didn't like how someone was acting, I would avoid them or I would... You know, I'd say, who do you think you you are? You know, I, I'm I'm from Brooklyn. You want to say that to me? Like, I realized I was just isolating myself more and more. Rather than forgiving them and praying for them, I was isolating them more and more. And um, in the spirit of talking about, as Harvey shared before, where sin comes from, um, I'm Greek and I speak Greek, so it's amartia, which is the archer's term. The word forgiveness... In Greek is synchoreo, which is to allow someone back into your space. Literally, it's transliterate as allowing someone back into your space. And if I don't forgive someone, I'm isolating myself more and more. And if I don't forgive myself, I'm not allowing myself into my own space. And I can only imagine what that leads to. You know, if I don't take this seriously, if I don't learn to forgive myself, that probably will lead to suicide. And I, I pray that never happens, but you know, I've had those thoughts before and um if I can't forgive myself, then you know, what use am I to others? And just thank you all for for your shares and I'm really glad I'm here. So good afternoon. I'm Tzvi, a grateful sexaholic. I say grateful because uh, this program has brought me places I never imagined I could go. Well, I've, I've been in the program since 2001, and uh, I wish I could tell you I've been sober since then. That's not the case. But I want to, and thank God, today I have 240 days. We don't count uh, non-consecutively, but I have a little over a year and a half with one day in the middle. (laughs) But I will tell you this. It's not because I didn't want it. And I, every time I slipped, people would tell me, oh, you just didn't want it enough. And that's not the correct thing. And people need to hear that. And the reason why on the Sabbath I'm willing to talk into this microphone, because it's life and death, I wanted it. My email address is as Bill sees it, page 11, because I was convinced I was a slipper, but I didn't want to leave the rooms. I wanted it, but I never knew that I had a 
biological, biochemical, how are you going to describe it? But that's just was. And I want to just close with this. The word forgive sounds like I have to do something. I don't believe that. I believe that's what's given to me automatically. It's a state of being. To be in that place of oneness with my God and just forgive, be in that place of love and caring. We're all God's kids. I just want to, it's really simple. I just want to see if I can add a little bit to his world today. And when I do that, I certainly cannot have any kind of resentment. I, that's the beginning that I have to do. Thanks so much. Let me share. My name's Nick. I'm a sexaholic from Milwaukee. So this idea of forgiveness brings about a little bit of step nine uh, for me, and it was touching me uh, very deeply just now. One of the biggest people I've had to forgive for a long time has been my, my, my biological father. My biological father, Mark lives in Australia. I have never been to Australia um, since my divorce from my ex-wife in 2006. When I was ready to tell my dad about my sexual addiction, that's when my uh, marriage started falling apart. Only until maybe a year or so ago did my sponsor recommend to me in doing step nine with my father he said, did you ever think about contacting him? And I thought he was going to say that too, because that's the last thing I wanted to do, because I knew how to get a hold of him. And my sponsor was so gentle with me, he said, what would God have you do? And that was it. And ever since then, I've been calling my dad, probably since last September now, every month. And I offered him a direct amends over the telephone. And I said, Dad, I've been holding you hostage for my entire life. And I want to stay publicly here. Dad, I love you so much. And I forgive you with the love that was granted to me through God, my Savior, who died for me to make me free. With that, I'll pass. Hi, my name is Matt Kay, and I'm grateful to be a recovering sexaholic. Uh, first on self-forgiveness. So, so I learned self-forgiveness uh, through my wife. Um, after being in recovery for a while, she kept, uh, she kept accepting me and loving me. She didn't feel like that. She said, I hated you and wanted you out of my life. But she kept showing me love by, by sticking through it, even when things were, were painful. And, and I just had an epiphany. I try not to throw that word around lightly, and I thought, Wait a second, my wife's forgiving me, and with the things that I've done to her for so long, that's not humanly possible, so that must mean that God forgives me. So who the hell am I to stand in the way and not forgive myself to be God? So that was that was just a, a beginning of, of gentleness and, and forgiveness towards myself, and I can't give forgiveness to somebody else if I don't got it. You can't, can't give what you don't got, you know, so that was really helpful. 
in regards to forgiving others, um, it's been a, a little bit more of a journey. I have to have empathy and sympathy and understanding compassion for others. So I'm so grateful for my list of ridiculous character defects that it's not hard for me to have compassion and understanding when, when somebody wrongs me, or at least in my mind, I make up that they wronged me. I say, oh, wait a second. I've done that plenty of times. But here's the difference is that in the beginning, I thought I was giving my wife a pass. My wife's been a rock star in my recovery. But she'd, I'd make up she'd be mean to me or nasty or say something. And in the beginning, i just sweep it under the rug. I'd say, you know, I'm going to give her a pass. But that never works with me. I don't give you a pass. I knew that that was a resentment building up. So instead, what I've learned, and it took a few years to learn, I have to say, that's wrong. I don't deserve that treatment. I'm, I'm not that person I used to be. But then it's a conscious choice that I have to say, but you know what? She's been a rock star. And, you know, I'm, I choose to forgive her. It could be two, two minutes, two days, two weeks later. And I've used that with, with everybody that I come in contact to say, I choose to forgive them. It's a loving choice. Um, and the last thing I want to say quickly is I was, I was a little bit late getting in here because I was making an amends. And I'm, I'm nervous. I don't have usually nervous speaking in front of people, but I made an amends to, to somebody in these rooms that, that I, I felt lust towards. Um, and the one thing I do, the, 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 I do the 17 wheeler over and over again. But that 18th, I was always afraid to look lust in the eye. And I went out to this person. I said to God, God, if I'm meant to say an amends, let that person be available out in the hallway. Well, the person was available out in the hallway. And I first thanked that person for sharing because it humanized her. And, and, and it's easy for me to, 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 to make the amends. And then we talked, and I've really got to see her as a person. So I looked lost in the eye, and it was a gift to both of us. We had a real connection. And, and, and again, I mentioned that in the light of an amends and forgiveness because for me, I've realized I have to take action. I have to take action. For me to forgive myself, I have to take action. And I took the actions of love and what the program tells me to do, and so I was able to forgive myself for that lusting. Thanks. My name is Mark. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, my favorite reading is on page 202 of the White Book, What is a Sexaholic? The last paragraph, and I'm going to fit this into forgiveness. Until I was... Driven to the point of despair until I really wanted to forgive but could not. I did not give myself to this program of recovery. Forgiveness is for those and for me because I know that I have no other option but to forgive. And my own enlightened self-interest must tell them this. My enlightened self-interest. So I have to forgive myself uh, before I can fully recover and forgive others. Thank you. In closing, anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Remember that we never identify ourselves publicly with SA in the press, radio, TV, or films. Neither does anyone speak for SA. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about an SA to yourself. The shares we have heard here were told in confidence. Please do not repeat what you have heard about another member to anyone who was not actually here at this meeting at the time that it was shared. Please, what we say here, when we leave here, let it stay here. Let's close with the serenity prayer.
prayer? God, grant us serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. The will of my mind will come. coming back, it works if you work it, so work it, you're worth it. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.